1: It's real simple. You know, if you take a person's legs away, they can't run. They can't run.
2: Dan Wiederer, run. on-air contributor for 670 The Score. You're going to be relying on a lot of young players, guys that have to materialize into who they thought they were. The Bears are who we thought they were. When either they drafted them or guys that they believe in that were already here, that's guys like Justin Fields. Bears Beat Reporter, an enterprise writer for the Chicago Tribune. The 2023 Bears are made for the offseason. They are a dream in terms of content, in terms of debates, in terms of talking points. Dan We. Get your track shoes on with Bernstein and Holmes on 670 The School. This hour is brought
1: to you by Menards. Save big money at Menards. Dan Weederer joins us now. He's rested up and ready for his close up and the beginning of football season. But I can imagine he's a little tired after producing this this, this tome. Ray printed this out. He actually printed
0: it. We look, broke seven look, printers. Look at this.
1: How much toner this is? This is insane. Yeah. He's like, going to get a letter from corporate on this. It's amazing. Don't Dan, talk
0: about it. Dan
1: Weederer wrote a piece on Kevin Warren that he teased like six months ago when, when we spoke to him because this is he's been working on this forever. Uh, he's on Twitter at Dan Wieterer. Bears Beat Reporter is joining us now on the Score Hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Always check out Twitch, twitch.tv slash Chicago 670 the score. So... Dan, wow, is all I have to say for the, the 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 depth of this. What went into, was this sort of negotiated about, say, hey, how did you approach, Kevin, look, I'm going to do a giant deep dive into you and your role and your vision and your history.
2: It's a good question, Dan. First of all, send me the invoice from whatever comes out of Staples okay. that I have to pay back, and I'll, I'll make sure that we get that all squared away and the printers are, are back up and running. But obviously, we knew after January that we wanted to dive deep into what Kevin's vision and his leadership style was going to be at a, a very important time in Bears history. And the first sit down I had with Kevin came at the owners meetings in March in Arizona. And I had a, a lengthy sit down with him there. And he said to me, I want to make sure that by the time you, you publish this story, that there's not a single question you could think of that you haven't had a chance to ask me and when I sat up from that meeting, I said, listen, Kevin, I'm going to hold you to that. And he said, I, I promise I'll, I'll make good on that. And to his credit, he did. And so throughout you know several months, we, we, we visited many times at Hallis Hall, obviously, like I said, in Arizona, and just had a chance to, to get to know each other well, and then gave me the opportunity to, to kind of to peel the curtain back on, on what it is he's trying to establish inside the building at Hallis Hall and where he wants this franchise to go. Uh, Certainly helpful to me that that Kevin and I overlapped during my time covering the Vikings in Minnesota. And so it wasn't starting a a relationship from scratch, but it was a really fun project to to dive in on this spring.
0: So then Dan, what stood out to you the most about this that maybe we haven't discussed when it comes to Kevin Warren? Was it the process where he is talking to every possible employee he can? What is asking them? Is it how much his life and his past is dictating his present. What was it about the story that spoke to you that maybe you didn't know before?
2: Lila, I think it's the level of investment and engagement that he has on a daily basis to go after the grand vision he has. And now these grand visions span a number of different missions, right? We've got the, the mission to get a stadium built somewhere, somehow, you know, in the coming years. We've got the mission to get the Chicago Bears football team to play successful football uh, in a way that it can be sustained over more than just one season every now and then. We have the mission to kind of reinvent the culture inside the walls at 1920 Football Drive so that people understand what the standard and the pursuit of excellence really needs to be. And so just Kevin's, Kevin's willingness to invest in that and engage with every single person in that building struck me as notable, and it struck me as refreshing and a change from what I know has been sort of during my decade covering the team, the the, the kind of culture and, and, and working environment that's existed there that has contributed to their mediocrity, right? You talk to people around the NFL and they say that the, the Bears reputation is firmly established as, as sort of a franchise that gets itself stuck in the mud and really struggles to get unstuck. Well, now, if Kevin makes good on the things that he's hoping to do for this team, he will be the tow truck, right? <laughs> that, that latches on and pulls this franchise out of the mud and hopefully gets it back on a highway to go places that we haven't been in a long time. I'm curious how the
1: photo editing was done. I know this isn't exactly your bailiwick, but man, you could not, if you are Kevin Warren's personal publicist, <laughs> you could not have asked for photos that that roll out more like the launch of a presidential campaign. You know, there's him in his suit and arriving to work, literally picking George McCaskey up with a handshake. I'll lift your organization skyward. And him, him in prayer. The notes, the handwritten notes in his Bible, literally dripping sweat as he works out. <laughs> and they're all great photos. But if for just from my perspective, there's there's something that is that is really sort of hagiographical about the presentation visually.
2: Well, a couple things here, Dan, it's a good question. The first thing is. Um, even before I started working on this story, people in Minnesota talked uh, jokingly and lovingly about Kevin's penchant for sweating. He's a sweater. And so to, to, to have that picture of him actually dripping sweat, I think was very telling of kind of just what his reputation is and, and kind of how he is. Um, Brian Casella deserves a lot of credit for the work he did with the images of this. You, you know, you write the story and then you wait to see it kind of produced both in the newspaper and online. And when I got the first glimpse of what was coming online, and, and saw the way kind of Brian's photos were were laid out. you're like, man, this is this is one of the top tier photographers in the country. you know and I've had uh, the, the the privilege several times of working on big projects with Brian. He deserves a lot of credit for his time and investment in, in being willing to go and and experience that with Kevin and Kevin to his credit opening the door for a morning up there for Brian to kind of tag along and, and say, hey, look, if we're going to tell this story, yeah, sure. Be a fly on the wall for, for one morning up here, and, and and the opportunity to do that, um, I think was cool, and I, I think it, it, you know, again, you you've been around this city long enough, you've been around this franchise long enough to understand that this is not very bears like in, in the way um, it, it all came together, and I think that's notable in some way, and we'll just kind of see what it means for the football team at large.
0: No, I think you're right. This is a this is a paradigm shift that you're covering. This is. Capable leadership with a massive self-made pedigree. This is a a person who came from a huge job as Big Ten commissioner, and I've said it before, really saw the future of that conference in a way that a lot of people did not at the time. And I thought that the quotes, especially from George McCaskey, were compelling. And how also Warren echoed those when it was the conviction in his decision-making process, even as commissioner, and then also Warren's leaning in to saying, they pay me to have an opinion. I thought all of that was very pertinent to understanding the change in culture as to what we'd seen previously.
2: Well, and look, Leila, Kevin's time at the Big Ten was turbulent. You know, we all remember those decisions during COVID. Um, You know, we know the landmark accomplishments with the media rights deal and and adding USC and UCLA to the conference. But uh, there was stress that came with Kevin's 40 months there in the conference. And it, I, I think it transformed him in some ways, as he told me, you know, it forces you to, to develop crocodile skin because you take a lot of arrows and, and a lot of shots from a lot of different directions. And you better learn as a leader how to um, take constructive criticism, how to brush off things that, that you don't really need to absorb. That is just people beefing at you for the sake of beefing at you and trying to to process that all in real time, particularly during a you know worldwide crisis as it was back in 2020, it's notable that that was his most recent career step. I think another uh, answer to the, the previous question you asked me, Layla, is for me the the sincerity in enthusiasm with the way Ryan Polls and Kevin talk about one another right now is really significant to me because Kevin is going to have to be not only the guy who performs the performance reviews of Ryan Polls and decides whether he's doing well enough to keep his job but he understands his role in in developing Ryan and Ryan is very open to being developed understanding hey this is my second year as an NFL general manager i'm still in my 30s i don't have life experiences that that inform me on every single thing i'm going to encounter and so to be able to have that sounding board to be able to have that feedback to be able to have those resources on a daily basis where it's not annoying to go knock on the you know the boss's door next door and say hey i got a quick question for you but they're both fueled by that i think is really notable for where this franchise wants to go and again you know it's going to take a couple of years for us to see what the results look like um, one of the things that it, i've told a bunch of people is I, i'm not saying that kevin's guidance and leadership and vision is going to produce results different than what we've experienced for the last 25 years but it's 1000% worth taking a shot at with what we've experienced really since the since the early 1990s
1: when you mention where your relationship is with him and the fact that, look, let's face it, this is he is entering right a honeymoon phase still. I mean, he really just took the job and hasn't been bears yet. And maybe the whole thing is he's the unbearsable guy where his strength of personality, his conviction, his intelligence, his his resume is enough that he doesn't become overwhelmed by the, the history of bears culture and the family ownership and all that, which is the whole point of hiring him. And see for you, considering that you're, you're going to be on the beat for a while. It's a great deposit in the journalistic favor bank too. If you, if you look at it that way and say, Hey, if the, if, and when the time will come that you're going to pound him for, for something questionable or doing something wrong, you're still the guy that did this. Right. I mean, at, at some point you can say, Hey, Kevin, you know, this is this this was this is pretty solid stuff. The you know giving you this opportunity to tell your story and be the story at the outset, like I and I think he'll be tough enough to to understand that's your job.
2: Well, sure, no question, and, and that's journalism, yep. right? In a nutshell, it's it's being able to um, create relationships and foster them in a way that is productive for what you are doing, uh, career wise, and and what you're doing with with your professional obligations, and and when you're able to. Um, break down barriers and connect on a on a level. You can you can ask hard questions. You can you can push on things that are going wrong. You can have that mutual respect back and forth to understand where this is going. Kevin is very aware of what the Chicago media means to the messaging of where the Bears are trying to go. Again, this is a, a landmark time for the franchise with what's happening with the stadium, with what's potentially happening with the team on on the field, and he understands that it's important for them. To message properly, and that's not to you know to put up a facade or, or, or you know use smoke and mirrors to trick people into to, to what you're trying to get done. It's to, to reveal what your approaches are and what your what your goals and hopes and dreams are, and and show people the paths you're trying to take to get there, in order for them to understand kind of how it all works. And so, um, look like we talked very early on that like we are going to have to be in constant communication for years here because this this stadium. Uh, project is going to span you know, the next three, four, five years here. And so so it's it, it is good, obviously for me to to be able to to feel comfortable enough to to shoot off a text to, to call him when I feel like there's a, a, an urgent question that needs to be asked and and to understand that that hopefully he'll be pretty responsive when 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 the push comes to shove.
1: And when he said, I want to make sure that any one of your questions is answered, I'm not sure where this would fit on the pre-publication timeline. But were you able to ask him if in his previous role he ever suspected or had any reason to believe some of this Northwestern stuff was going on or if it was as bad as it's apparently turning out to be?
2: No. So all of this stuff broke uh, after I did my last sit-down with him, which was before he went on vacation. So the last sit-down I did with Kevin was in in late June, and then he went off to the Cayman Islands for a, a couple weeks before camp to get himself recharged and and, and regrouped and, and have not had a chance um, since then to, to kind of to feel him out on the Northwestern topic. Obviously it's a very heavy one. Um, and, and you get the sense talking to, to people around college athletics, that there's a lot of, uh, Oh, feelings, right? Like we better look <laughs> in our closets so everywhere around every athletic program in the country to, to make sure that, that things like this or, or in any similar vein, aren't occurring because I I don't think that this is entirely an exclusive situation that's happening at Northwestern. It's just one that has been exposed here, obviously this month.
0: No, and I agree with that. I think if that's happening, then people need to listen to people and take looks in the mirror and figure out ways to stop it. Not to diminish that at all, but to stay on the message of the article. You also talked about where the stadium discussion is right now. And after all this discussion about which municipality is going to step up and that started with Naperville as we know what's the latest you have on that
2: yeah you know I I think this is all fluid and evolving I think my hunch is the same as as what your hunch has been for a long time and that Arlington Heights is going to be the destination I think there are a lot of uh, political dynamics at play and 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 a little bit of an obstacle course that needs to be navigated um, for the Bears to get to where they want to get to to eventually get there I think that they want to be very confident First time they stick a shovel in the ground, wherever that may be, that they they have no second guessing that this is 100% the right place we should be. That there are no reservations. That well, what if there was? You know, Plan B, Plan C, Plan D? Um, I, I would still suspect that that would move along. I would think by the end of the calendar year, uh, based on just sort of an educated guess here, that there would be some some significant developments on that front. And then when we get those, we'll, we'll we'll kind of get a better understanding of the timeline. And again, the you know the the timeline nowadays for an NFL stadium is that when you get that first shovel in the ground, it's going to be about three years before you open the doors to have events there. And so I, I think the quicker that the Bears get that shovel in the ground, the more satisfying it's going to be for everyone here to kind of then see the vision and the renderings and all of the the bells and whistles that are going to go into this new sports and entertainment complex that's going to be a a three hundred and sixty five day a year destination that I think is going to, to make us look back on soldier field and go, wow, you know, thank God this got done.
0: I also want to ask you the questions that Warren is asking his employees. If you and your family on the bears, what would you do to build the best NFL franchise on and off the field? What do you need to perform your job at an exceptional level? And if you were in his seat for one day, what is the one thing you would do? What were your takeaways from that? And also, did you have any ideas?
2: Oh, I have ideas. I'll I'll leave them in the suggestion box up there when I check into training camp tomorrow and see if anybody responds to them. I've had ideas for a long time uh, about things up there, but I, I I really do think that when Kevin talks about, um, you know, some people might find it hokey, but that that the the championship momentum that needs to be built needs to to be atmospheric. That, that there has to be something every single day when you walk in the building that you understand that you're going to be pushed and challenged, and and there's going to be um, an environment there that's that's both. Um, pressure packed, but but invigorating and challenging in a way that can be energizing rather than suffocating. I think that's something that this franchise is needed. I think, you know, one of the things, you know, Rich Campbell, you know, my beat partner for a long time uh, was, was helpful to me on this story because he has great perspective in, in in looking at this through the right lens. And, and, you know, we talked about some of the the, Dan, I think I've said this to you before, the banana peels that this organization has slipped on. Uh, in the past and how you can kind of, well, that they've thrown the down in front
1: of themselves too. It's not just, right, not right. just randomly finding banana peels. Like they eat the banana like, oh, that's a good banana. And then they throw the peel in <laughs> front of themselves and step on it.
2: Right. Right. And it's been so consistent. And so I think there, there's just a level of let's make sure, you know, and I even use the word clumsiness in the story because it is one that was brought up to me multiple times by people both attached to the bears organization and people that have just observed the, the bears organization from afar and, and you reduce that clumsiness. That's like that's not something that shows up in a box score or shows up in a review where you go, man, You know they deserve credit today because they weren't clumsy. But over time, when you reduce the clumsiness and you reduce the inefficiencies and you improve your processes, all of a sudden the machine starts working better. And I think that's the ultimate hope here. And I think that's one of the things that Kevin can provide out of the outset, as long as he's able to take these 260 plus employee interviews he, he's done, compartmentalize them into the themes that he wants together, and then enact change because it all comes down to the action part of things. And that will be obviously a big step for him when he gets through all this.
0: Okay. What's going on with Chase Claypool? Why is he on the physically unable to perform list? And didn't we all see him at Paris Fashion Week?
2: Paris Fashion Week, we saw videos of him, slow motion videos of him working out with Justin and the other guys in Miami earlier this month. And then yesterday, a little bit of a surprise twist to see him land on that PUP list. No one in that building has specified what exactly that injury is. If you look at those videos from Miami, he's got a compression sleeve from, you know, the bottom of his calf to, you know, the top of his quadricep. Soft tissue injury was what it was described in in June. Um, This is at least worth keeping an eye on. Now, it's it's my understanding that the Bears aren't overly concerned at this point, but they weren't overly concerned about Tevin Jenkins before he wound up having back surgery a couple years ago. They weren't overly concerned with Roquan Smith when he walked into training camp as a hold-in last year. These things escalate, and if you're not keeping your fingers on the pulse of them, um, you're just not doing it right. And so the, the Chase Claypool thing is is super significant because if you're a Bears fan, other than self-soothing hope, I don't know what evidence you have from the last you know 10 months for you to believe that Chase Claypool is going to be a no-doubt Difference making building block for this team beyond, you know, beyond January of this year.
1: Yeah. I thought you were going to mention when Kevin White was fine until, like, oh, yeah, he's fine, except a broken leg.
2: Right. There's another one, <laughs> yeah. right. And, and, yeah. Uh, and, and so there's always something. And so my, my rule, particularly with training camp and, and health issues, is whatever they tell me, I'll listen to it. My eyes are going to tell me everything I need to see. And so um, I need to see Chase Claypool running around, another receiver, Darnell Mooney. It's my understanding that he'll be okay to get on the practice field this week, but it might be a bit yet before he's a full participant in practice. That tightrope surgery that he had uh, with screws inserted into his ankle is not an easy one to rehab from. And so it may not be until um, the early parts of August or even later that that he's able to go through a full practice the way the rest of the receivers are able to go through a full practice. And so when you're talking about trying to take a big leap with your third-year quarterback and then two of his main targets are going to have interrupted starts to training camp, it's not the, the ideal situation.
1: Before we let you go... What are you looking at most closely at the opening of camp? Is it the, and I know we're a ways away from the first depth chart, but we'll see who's running with ones and twos, et cetera. Is it the makeup of the offensive line? Is it who's going to get the first crack at starting edge rushing? Where are your eyes going to be?
2: Yeah, I'm still interested to see if they add a body to that edge rushing group because it just has been teased for so long and nothing has come of it. Um, that'll be interesting over the first week, you know, when the pads finally come on and you're able to get those one on ones to see look like they, they've got a first round draft pick playing uh, right tackle for them. You want to see him block with pads on, you know, and see what that looks like going against professional football players on an everyday basis. Those are, are telling moments to to get a, a view of that. The running backs, when you're finally able to do some of that pass blocking and some of those one on ones uh, that they go through in camp, it's going to be fun to watch that competition kind of sort itself out. This is going to be a, a a grind for the next six weeks, as it always is. But I do think there is a lot to check in on, and I think that for me, that trip to Indy uh, in the middle of August to get those crossover practices is—it's typically a good measuring stick to see how a team operates against an uh, another opponent uh, against fresh bodies, and and then see where where. Uh, things are shaping up so we'll see where it goes and obviously Justin's going to be a talking point every single day Um, it's probably going to become ridiculous the way people are hyper analyzing every single practice of his and we'll just have to scale out periodically and try to interpret the meaning of it but that's obviously going to be the biggest storyline of the Bears camp over the next uh, month and a half.
1: Jan Wienerer thank you so much appreciate it as always. You got it thanks guys.